Good morning. What page are we on? What page are we reach? So we're talking about the... I think the last thing we talked about was uh, what choice would you make, right? Yeah. The choice between mastering the five sciences, Mm -hmm. the eight uh, eight great attainments. Remember what these are? In India, uh, during the time of the, what you might call the golden age of Buddhism in India, uh, a scholar, monk, was someone who was supposed to master five, what are called the five sciences. And that's cosmology, medicine, uh, the arts. Uh, philosophy was just one of them. Religion was just one of the arts, one of the sciences. Uh, when philosophy itself became so such a big, became bigger and bigger, uh, scholars, uh, the scholars who were masters of all five sciences, were became rare and rare. 
So remember the question that I asked about uh, which one would you, which one would you choose? The, let's go back to page 33, the last paragraph. We find it in the question of that Geshe Puchungwa asked the Chenoa. Let's say, on the one hand, that you could be one of those people who has mastered, not somebody who has who become familiar, but someone who has mastered all five sciences, who has gained the firmness of single-pointed concentration, someone with each of the five types of clairvoyances, who has experienced all eight of the great attainments, and we are reading the eight great attainments in the back, you know, like uh, flying through the air, uh, multiplying yourself, making uh, teleportation, all those great little things. Okay, and let's say on the other hand, so that's on, on the one hand, you're master of the five sciences, you're master of single-pointed concentration, uh, and not only do you possess uh, different kinds of, uh, I don't know, still they use the five types of clairvoyance. Uh, when you hear the word clairvoyance, do you think about uh, just one kind of thing or one psychic? Ability, or you said different kinds of psychic ability. And does the, the term five types of clairvoyance mean anything to you? No? I mean, just say, you're hearing the word clairvoyance, okay, yeah, clairvoyance, somebody who sees into the future or something like that. Or a past. What was that? Or a past. Yeah. yeah. Read people's minds. Read people's minds? Yeah. Oh, so there are different kinds of clairvoyances. I, I <laughs> you would think. A, do you be able to read someone's mind as a clairvoyance? That's what I thought. That's what you thought. Ah. Yeah, yeah, like from The Shining, right? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. I know, I just go with that. Crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, you know. that's what you use? Yeah. <laughs> the crystal ball and the person looking into the future, past, the death. Yeah, the uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience, mm -hmm. I hear that kind of thing. Clair, what is another clair? Clairvoyance, clairaudience, I don't know, clair smelling. Speech channeling, or. Doesn't that also mean like you can do things with mind? Yeah, that also. But that's, that's included within the five uh, clairvoyances. Right. But and that just, you know, that's from Star Wars. <laughs> 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 This is to help you understand that uh, uh, when you when you when you when you see things that seem very familiar, like five sciences, when you come up uh, come up to terms like uh, terms like that, uh, even though the words are already familiar to you, but the the term may not be it may not be exactly the same thing that is being referred to. Okay. So just go back in 164 and you read the, the footnotes. So classical grammar, logic, Buddhist theory, the fine arts, and medicine. So that's uh, the five sciences. The five types of clairvoyance, supernatural powers of Emanation, you didn't think about that one, right? Mm -hmm. Sight, hearing, perception of the past, and knowledge of others' thoughts. These are what, these things are what are referred to as clairvoyances. And for some reason, there are, there are, uh, they are separated from other kinds of what might call, just what might group together as psychic powers. We're called the eight great attainments. Uh, Nagarjuna is said to have been one of those famous ones who have mastered the eight great attainments. Okay? So the ability to travel to anywhere, do you know what that means to travel to anywhere? The ability to travel to anywhere. 
Go to the moon, yeah. That's part of it. Huh? Past, go to the, travel to the past. Travel to the future. So you're able to travel, take yourself bodily to anywhere, in time or space. That, Buddha, Buddha's, uh, Buddha's paradise? Yeah. Oh, you gotta be, no, nah, you can't go there. <laughs> if you gotta have a special visa for that. <laughs> some, some restrictions. Yeah, restrictions, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, powers of emanate, emanation. Emanation is being able to... Uh, it sounds like travel, but it's not the same. Emanation is like what you might call tele, tele, teleportation. It's more like teleportation. But you're here, and you send an aspect of yourself over there. I'm not even sure that's what teleportation is. You're here, and you send, your, you send a part of yourself to to India, so that would be emanation, you've emanated there. That okay. others could actually see. Others, it depends on how you send the emanation. You can send it so you could be invisible, you can send it for others to see. And sometimes it, it could be sent for just one particular person to see. And it could be in a different form, like... Like yeah, it could be any form. Yeah. So is the emanation... Oh, you mean uh, if if an emanation was to come here, would you see it as ghost-like, or would you see it like no. a solid? Is that what I'm you're asking? Just saying whether, whether you see it or feel it, do you is it have the same quality? No, who's the you you're referring to? The one who's doing the emanation, or is the one who's seeing the emanation? No, the, the emanated one. <laughs> or the one who's emanated? Yeah. What about the one who's emanated? Well, just the one who sees, the one who is emanated, <laughs> see them as the same as the original, the one who emanated him, him or her, or it. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, it, sorry. It's the emanation, like if, 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 we, if we think that there's an emanation of some animal that was really the Buddha, uh-huh. then is the animal have the same qualities as the Buddha? No, the, uh, it would have the qualities that the Buddha wants it to have. Right. Yeah. And if it's a teacher, then what if it's a teacher? It's they would have the qualities of a teacher. Mm -hmm. The qualities that the Buddha, whoever emanated, wants it to have. Yeah. Uh, and then the powers of the distinct powers of emanation, it comes in different degrees. Some people can emanate only one, some people can emanate two, some people can emanate multiples. And then, and then even that, be able to emanate more than one has its different, uh, uh, different degrees. Some are able to emanate different looking diff, uh, emanations at the same time. Some can only emanate the duplicate of themselves. Like if they were to emanate three, they will all look like him or her. And some who have, uh, have greater degree of, of uh, mastery over, over, the, over that art they would be able to emanate uh, different ones and they're doing, they look different and they're doing different things. Okay. So, you would have mastered <laughs> being able to emanate. Sight. Sight is being able to you know, see macro, macro, mac, uh, macro, uh, macroscopic. Oh, microscopic. Tiny. Well, why can't I say this one? There's microscopic. Tiny. Micro <laughs> yeah, thank you. Able to see tiny <laughs> and very, very, very tiny and be able to see very, very, very big. That is, uh, things that are very far away, you can see them, and things that are very, very, like tiny, microscopic, you can see them also. As clearly as you can see, you know, the lines in your hands. And hearing is the same. That perception of the past, they don't, why they don't say the perception of the future? Well, perception of the past and knowledge of others' thoughts. Okay, these are the uh, the what, what are referred to as the clairvoyances. Okay, 
and the great attainment, well, the first one you mentioned, it was be able to travel anywhere. That is physically take yourself to anywhere, any any time, and become invisible, assume any outer form, and and this one is very similar to what the, uh, the clear supernatural sight vision. It's a uh, seem be able to see minute and very distant objects. It's the same thing. Something called swift feet. I just like the word, the name of it, swift feet. The ability to travel at high speeds. Uh, taking essence, the ability to live off nothing but bits of substances. And, and here again, the, you can draw, uh, your ability depends, uh, you have, there are different degrees of what, what substance you're able to draw uh, essence from. There are those who are able to draw essence from organic stuff. There are those who are even able to draw essence from like minerals and, and jewels and things like that. And you just, and that person would live for a very, very, very long time and not uh, have any health issues. Uh, disappearing, able to fly. Uh, Now, disappearing or invisibility, what's the difference between that and the pill which enables you to become invisible? <laughs> the pill which enables you to become invisible or assume any outer form. And then there's one called disappearing or invisibility. The distinction you're making here is one is you're able to uh, one is you make yourself invisible. The other one is you make other objects invisible. Mm. Okay. Mm. Underground, that's a cute one. Able to go through solid objects. Swim, swim on the ground, and things like that. Okay? So, which one would you prefer? <laughs> to be one of those persons... Or, uh, bottom of 33, let's say on the other hand that you could be a person who had yet to gain any full realization of Lord Atisha's teachings, but who nonetheless had developed such a firm recognition of their truth that no one else could ever change your mind. Which of the two would you choose? That's the question I was asked by uh, Putuwa to uh, Chenar. Of course, you know the answer. Cheng is going to say, oh, I don't want all those powers and all those abilities. I just want, leave alone any hope of realizing all the steps of Buddhahood. I would rather even to be a person who had just begun to get, to get some glint of understanding, who could say to himself that he had started off on the first of the three steps to Buddhahood. So the, the distinction that he was making with those two choices was, one, you, you, you have uh, all those great abilities, all those, uh, be able to master all those uh, uh, knowledge, worldly knowledge, or you could be someone who just has conviction that the three principal paths are true. Well, we went through that already, so you all said you would give up the powers and <laughs> go after just, uh, just, just conviction in the three, three principal paths. Very good. <laughs> so why would this be my choice? And this is the reason why that uh, Chenawa chose chose the, uh, just having uh, a glint of understanding. Okay. In all my lives to now, I've been a master of the five sciences countless times, and countless times I've gained single-pointed concentration. 
even to where I could sit in meditation for an eon. The same with the five types of clairvoyances and the great eight great attainments. But never have I been able to go beyond the circle of life. Never have I risen above it. If, it, if I were able to gain a realization of the steps to Buddhahood that Atisha taught, I would surely be able to turn from this round of birth. Okay. Now that's uh, the reason why you would rather choose the other one. Okay. When you are on the path and you've gained any realization on the path, you're, you're definitely... The, uh, on your way out of, uh, some, of, some, of suffering forever. You can master any of the other, any of, you can master all those uh, abilities, all those psychic abilities that were mentioned before, but they will not take you out of suffering. Okay. And you will lose them eventually. And that's why he made the, the uh, that's why he said that he mastered them countless times. So in many lives, and, and this is not just for Master Chang'awa, it's for all of us. For the, uh, what that term, since, not, since beginning less time, we've been uh, uh, in samsara. And for all these lives that we've been here, we've had countless lives of, 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 of misery, following each one after the other, and we also had countless lives of great fame. We have countless lives where we've mastered all these abilities. And we've had countless lives also where we were, when we were able to master meditation and be able to stay in meditation for an eon. Okay. But eventually... They were out, you lose them, and they don't take you anywhere out, anywhere close out of uh, samsara. Okay. But when you gain realization on the steps, you don't lose them. They stay with you life after life. And whenever you build up on, on, on whatever you build on stays. Doesn't mean that uh, you, you don't suffer while you're on the path. It just means that uh, what the realizations that you gain, you don't lose them. You can only you build on top of them. Eventually, it will eventually it will lead you out of suffering forever. What does that mean? You don't lose them. Uh, like, like all right, let's say now some of us have some uh, like realization of the importance of spiritual life. <laughs> does that count as that? Spirit? Yeah, that'll be that'll be one something, and you will never lose that. But does that mean that, like, uh, let's say, let's say you, uh, you your next incarnation, mm -hmm. does that mean that that'll be present in your mind during that life necessarily? Yeah. yeah, it may not be present in your mind as clearly as it is uh, as when you realized it, but you will there will be some uh, compulsion, some some compulsion within you that that takes you to it. What if, it, right, what if in that life then you don't really follow it and then the one after you don't follow it and uh, maybe you're not even in a type of being where let's say you're some sort of uh, like mosquito or something and you don't... Or if you're, if you're a mosquito you can't follow it while you're a mosquito. Right, so then it's just like it's just sort of dormant. Yeah. And then the next... So there could be a long period of time where it's not manifest at all. Yeah. But you say you don't lose it. Yeah. So even it can go down, down, down because you're not following it. If there's like some level, it doesn't go down past where you totally lose No, uh, by it, you don't mean your life as no, being I mean, it. The, the um, your uh, stream of lives. Yeah. You, you can be born in different, in different realms where it would be impossible for you to practice because of the kind of mind that you have at that time. But in that, somewhere in that mind, it's there. And when the uh, proper conditions uh, come together, mm -hmm. then it, it will it will it will it will rise, it will come up again. Right. And it's uh, you you've, you've probably uh, heard of or seen people 
who say it seemed like they've turned completely turned their lives around. Like they seemed like they were going toward a particular direction that was destructive, and all of a sudden they completely turn around. So that could be a, 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 someone like that. All right. uh, and also the thing about realizations that uh, once you gain a realization, like the realization that you talked about, uh, it will nag at you. You can't get away from it. It's like you know you see something and you can't deny what you're seeing. And no matter no matter no matter what, no matter how you would uh, prefer it to be otherwise, you can't change it. You've seen it. You can't deny that you saw it. And then a lot of us uh, probably fall into a category like that, where there are certain spiritual truths that we encounter that we can't deny, but for some reason uh, there are so many other um, other qualities within us that are not necessarily uh, uh, supportive of the, of the spiritual life. So we try to get away from it. So we try to uh, drown ourselves in other things, but it's, it's still there. Every once in a while, it nags at us, and we find ourselves unsatisfied until we, okay, all right, all right, I'll pick up the path. Okay. <laughs> I'll pick up the path. <laughs> Continue reading page 34. The same point is conveyed by the stories of the Brahmin's son by the name of uh, Tanaka, Tanakya. The master meditator of the practice called Low Diamond and others as well. And I try, I think we tried to find out oh, the, the uh, footnotes didn't really explain it, anything about that. I think what it says was uh, go, go, go read over there. <laughs> Uh, the Brahmin son Sanakya in this classic work of the Step to Buddhahood, Pabunka Rinpoche explains that Sanakya was able to master the difficult secret practice of the Lord of Death, but fell to the lowest hell because he used his knowledge to harm other beings. Master meditator of Low Diamond. Uh, also, go look elsewhere. It's in Pabunka Rinpoche's Liberation in Our Hands. Explains the practitioner undertook one of the most powerful practices of the secret teachings but due to his less than perfect motivation, was able to achieve only a lower result. Lord Atish has noted here that some practitioners had been dropped to the hells. And, and, and uh, what is the lesson in this little paragraph? The same point is conveyed by the stories of the Brahmin's son, by Nero Tanakya. The thing, the strange thing is about the Brahmin son uh, Tanakya is that uh, before I read it in Buddhism, I read it in Hinduism, and it's and it's, and it's about uh, somebody who met with a lot of death. In Hinduism, Tanakya was is uh, a great sage <laughs> who defied the lot of death who tricked a lot of death. But in, in Buddhism, uh, Tanakya is a master meditator who was practicing on uh, Mahakala. But uh, because the mo his motivation wasn't pure, even though he was able to do great things with his meditation, the result was, well, it wasn't, a good, it wasn't the result that he, he would want. And someone else is uh, another master. This one is, uh, I've never heard of it, only within Buddhism. Uh, some, some meditator who practice uh, a tantric teaching, but even though they were doing everything that they were supposed to do, you know, they uh, light the incenses, they take the water bowls every morning, every day, and they, you know, they make offerings, and they did their recitations in the morning, recitations at night, but their the, the motivation for doing it wasn't 
to achieve Buddhahood for the sake of all beings. The, the motivation for that person to do all this practice was to gain uh, popularity, so to become famous. And even though he was doing a, a powerful, so-called powerful practice, he didn't get a powerful result. And this is not only you find this uh, just within uh, teachings related to Tantra, even teachings uh, in the people who are trying, people who are practitioners who are practicing the teachings that would lead to uh, just what's called the Hinayana Nirvana. Right? You all have an idea about Hinayana Nirvana. Right? So practitioners who are, who are practicing you know, very basic teachings that would lead to Nirvana. And they did it very well, but because of their motivation wasn't completely pure, they were, they were reborn instead as some servant in, 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 in some god realm. And, and uh, in, in the sutras, you, you encounter, while the Buddha, you know, while the Buddha was around, there were practitioners who passed away, of course, because some of them were old, some of them were much older than the Buddha, and some of them, you know, their time just came. And so uh, some of them were practitioners and they passed away. And uh, there was a, a story of uh, some, some being came to visit the Buddha and, uh, and, the, and the Buddha sort of asked them to relate to the audience who was there. And then the, and somebody they knew was, was reborn in the God realm as a servant. And uh, it was like, like a shameful thing. Then you were, how, how dare you were a disciple of the Buddha? And then this is what you get. This is what you. This is what you. This is what you made. This is what you made out of it. You could have reached nirvana, and then this is what you made out of it. So, motivation is very important, and 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 that's why I was. Uh, <coughs> I spent so much time, almost the entire uh, last uh, last major part of the class la uh, last time, just talking about that, that uh, the choice. Okay. Sometimes you might think I'm shooting for nirvana. I'm shooting for nirvana. I'm shooting for Buddhahood. But in in, in your gut, Buddhahood is oh, when I become Buddha, I'll be famous. These people will like me. You know, if if you have to be careful because this this second. Uh, em or emotion, this second motivation, maybe you're really mo a motivation, and you're and you're suppressing it. You're not allowing it. You're not allowing yourself to see it, so you can examine it and then say, "Oh, this is not uh, the motivation that I should have," and then have another motivation. So whatever your motivation is, whether it is you want your parents to like you, you want your friends to like you, you want uh, your coworkers to like you, or you want you know, fame or or, or something like that. You have, you have to really come to know what it is. Okay? And the only way for you to know what it is is to, when, you, when, you're about to, uh, when you're about to do your meditation, when you're about to do your practice, really examine what you, why am I doing this? Okay? Perhaps in the, in the very beginning that, uh, you suffered some tragedy that made you sort of think about uh, doing something beyond the world. Perhaps, uh, uh, what's the psychological term? Uh, uh, escapism? No, not escapism. Denial. Denial. No, denial. Like you're, you're suffering and then you want Repression? to... Repression? Mm, no. You're suffering and you want to what? Something connected with escape. You want to escape, you want to... Escapism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you're not refusing to deal with, with what is present. Delusion or denial. denial. Well, there's denial in there. Also, you delude yourself, but it specifically has to do with uh, what's that? disassociation. Well, that's, there's that. Mm. <laughs> Sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Three syllables. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
no, that, that, that would be the opposite of it, yeah. You're suffering, but you refuse to see it and look at it. Yeah, you refuse, so you want to run, run away, you want to run away from it, rather than deal with it. It's not repression. I mean, you, you, are, you, you end up doing that. But it's, the thing is that you are doing something, but what you're doing is not really dealing with the problem. What you're doing is just... Avoidance. Avoidance, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's what... You're doing something, but what you're doing is just avoiding what you, what you, what you, should, what you should be dealing with. So when you sit down about to do a practice, you sit down about to meditate, don't avoid what your real motivation is. Let it come up. Then deal with it. Then trans... Because it's... The first part of the... The, the first part is called transforming your motivation. It's not make up a motivation. Okay? Transforming it. So let the real one come up and then transform it if you have to. Otherwise, you could be sitting down doing, you know... In, practices that's supposed to take you to incredible realizations and yet all the, the only results you can get from them because of, the, that, because of your real motivation is you get to be born as a servant in, in some God realm or you get to be born in, in hell. Okay. All right. So the same point is covered. We are there already. So the Lord, gentle voice, said it <coughs> to our protector, the, the great Tsongkhapa. Who is Lord Gentle Voice? Manjushri. Okay. So Manjushri said to Manjushri, Okay. We want to make sure you're listening. <laughs> uh, and this... Uh, never mind. <laughs> Suppose you fail to devote some part of your practice to thinking over the various problems of psychic life and the different benefits of freedom from it. You don't sit down and meditate keeping your mind on trying to open your eyes to the ugliness of life or holding it on the wonders of freedom. You don't, treat, you don't reach the point where you never give a thought to the present life, you never master the art of renunciation. And let's say you go out then and try to develop the skill in some great virtuous practice, the perfection of giving or that of morality or forbearance, effort or staying in concentration. It doesn't matter what, none of it can ever lead you on to the state of freedom. People who really long for freedom then should forget at first. Okay? This is very important. This is uh, Manjushri himself saying it to Manjushri. Okay? People who really long for freedom then should forget at first about all those other supposedly so deep practices. They should use the mental review meditation to develop renunciation. People who really long for freedom then should forget at first about all those other supposedly so deep advices. They should use the mental review meditation to develop renunciation. People who are trying to practice the greater way should, get us to, should set aside some regular periods of time for consider how harmful it is to concentrate on your own welfare and how much good can come from concentrating on the welfare of others. Eventually, these thoughts can become habitual. Nothing, can, nothing that you ever do without them will ever turn into a path that leads you anywhere. Nothing that you ever do without them will ever turn into a path that leads you anywhere. That is, anywhere that you would like to be. Virtue is performed the other way. So there are two ways you can perform virtues. One with the mind of renunciation. One with the mind of uh, for concentrating on the welfare of others. So that's one way of doing virtue. Another way of doing virtue is virtues performed the other way are altered by the fact 
that you are doing them for yourself. So all they can do in the end is bring you to what is known as a lower enlightenment. This is similar to what happens when you are unable to practice the various aspects of renunciation deeply because you have failed to devote some time to thinking about it. Every virtue you do is affected by your concern for this present life and also leads you back to the cycle of birth. It's a definite necessity then first to gain fluency in the attitudes of renunciation and the desire to achieve Buddhahood for every living being. So set aside for the time being all those supposedly profound practices, the secret teachings and so on. So set aside for the time being all those supposedly profound practices, the secret teachings and so on. Once you've managed to develop these attitudes, every single virtuous act you perform leads you, despite yourself, to freedom and the state where you know all things. Therefore, it's a sign of total ignorance about the very crux of the path when a person doesn't consider these thoughts worth his meditation time. Basically, it is saying uh, to develop renunciation. And renunciation, it explains it, you just think, set aside some time to think about life. Really look at it. You don't, uh, your, keep your mind trying to open your eyes to the ugliness of life and holding it on the wonders of freedom. This is how you, this is the kind of thoughts, if you continue to think about them that way, it will lead to the renunciation. Just look at life for what it is, and then uh, keep, hold your mind on what freedom would be like. So there's a difference between uh, when you say here life is ugly. They're not saying existence is ugly. It's saying the way we are living now compared to how we could live it, it's ugly. Okay. You can exist in a way where you have complete, where the ultimate way you can think of freedom, it's even beyond that. The, the, the greatest bliss you can experience here, it's, it's insignificant compared to the bliss that you can have in freedom. So it's not that you should not, you should not have joy, it's not that you should not enjoy things, it's just that uh, here, the kind of joy that you can have when you compare it to the kind of joy you can have in freedom, it's insignificant. It's, uh, compared to it, it's even not even insignificant, it's ugly. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm understanding that right. That doesn't necessarily mean that here in our bodies that we have to be. But that's not the ugly part. It's like what you're saying. You can still be in this. You can still be in this body, mm-hmm. and because of understanding what the twelve dependent arisings and how we participate in life and how we mm-hmm. do things, you know, the, that that impacts the quality that we could be in this body and feel free. Mm-hmm. Is that possible or am I like... Oh, no, it's, it's not uh, necessarily... Uh, the freedom is not like, it's not a, a different, a different uh, planet or a different world that you can you know, travel to and back and forth, take mm-hmm. vacation. It's, uh, it's, a, it's what you're referring to as a state of, state of being 
you can be free and still be, you know, looking look, like looking like this. Well, are you using the word freedom as synonymous with enlightenment? No, that's what's my understanding. No, uh, no freedom is a kind of enlightenment. What, so, what, is, uh, it, do you, is it your. Is there a, like, a Yeah. Freedom is referred to as lower enlightenment. Okay. It's the same thing as nirvana. Okay, that's and that's why uh, uh, the term enlightenment sometimes is qualified as perfect. Enlightenment. Perfect enlightenment is the enlightenment of a, of a Buddha. And then lower enlightenment is someone who is uh, free from samsara, but they don't engage, they don't no longer participate in, in engaging beings and helping them in any way. Okay. That's the lower enlightenment. So when you say freedom, you mean lower enlightenment? Yeah. But, you, but uh, to get to highest enlightenment, you have to go through freedom. So despite yourself, <laughs> you will reach freedom. So like training meals before you can ride a You're talking about the freedom? The freedom, like you say, you have to go through freedom before you can have. Oh, yeah. It's sort of the thing to support you then as you. Mm -hmm. So you could say, uh, put it this way, freedom, what is called just called freedom, is nirvana where you don't, where you don't engage others. And freedom, which is the enlightenment of a Buddha, is uh, the enlightenment of a Buddha is freedom where you're able, to, even though you're free, you're able to engage others. Okay, so that would be like a, a, a simple way of looking at the two kinds of freedom. Okay? Freedom where you're all by yourself, nobody bothers you, you're free. Another one, uh, you're still free. You still have that experience of that person who is free by themselves. Even though you, while you're engaging, dealing with people who are very difficult to deal with. <laughs> so, your question was, could you have freedom in this life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Either one of the things. Either one. But we can have joy in, in this existence. Now, the, the thing is, uh, Focusing on the ugliness of life doesn't, the, the term doesn't necessarily mean being miserable. It doesn't mean that whenever you think about life, be miserable. Okay? Uh, uh, joy is, is wonderful. Joy is something that, uh, I mean, uh, I, I've said it before, you, whatever joy you get in this here, you worked hard to get it. Okay? So, Joy, enjoy your joys, <laughs> okay? But when you're enjoying your joys that are here, don't let them fool you to make you think that, uh, you know, that's all that, that there is, okay? While, while you, uh, if you're able to enjoy eggplants, you know, enjoy it. <laughs> that's your problem. <laughs> Chuck is a different story. <laughs> like when I think of that, like the ugliness, it's like you're thinking about suffering, right? Yeah, suffering. It's one of the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. It's not the illusions. Yeah. So you, 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 uh, you look at the, you look at the world, and the question is. Oh, there are all these wonderful things. Why is there all? Why, why is there in where in this place where all these there are these wonderful things? There are these there are these awful things also. Okay. So the condition that allows for these two things to exist like this, that condition is what you want to you want to get rid of. Okay. That's the condition that uh, your mind should uh, stay away from gain freedom from. Yeah. Right. Uh, this this uh, reading we just read from Gentle Voice to uh, Jason Gaba. What, I don't know, I mean you're probably not, not in your view or in that situation, 
usually when you are you enter you enter Buddhism, you enter Tibetan Buddhism especially, and then there are all these attractive practices that people are sort of like uh, almost uh, not encouraging. <laughs> Sort of uh, telling you about and not telling you about. Telling you about and not telling you about. But at the same time, there are also uh, what's that word? Oh, this game again. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, this game. Three syllables. Yeah, it has that in it. Enticing. <laughs> But more like they make you feel pressured. Peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure. You're not going to take the initiation? It's, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, you, it's, you may not give in, you may not give that initiation anymore. You know, uh, it's, it's, the, it's, it's the initiation on the highest practice that the, in the universe. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a one time rare opportunity. It's the first time he's, 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 he's doing it this, at this hour. You know? <laughs> It's the first time ever, and you never, you never, you may never see this teaching again. So, uh, even if you're not going to do the practice, just get the blessing. And unfortunately, I have been, I have forced myself to say these things to other, to other people. Yeah. Because. Uh, you forced yourself to say these things. Yeah. To say what? Because even though I. Uh, no, to tell people that. Uh, no, better, you better go get it. You never, you never have the opportunity again. I've, I've said that to some people. But I would uh, just really pay attention to, 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 to your heart, okay? Your heart, uh, it, it was your heart that clearly guided you to enter the path. It's not all of a sudden, as soon as you enter the path, though, your heart sort of like uh, lost its wisdom and now you, you, you're at mercy of of the people around you now. Okay? Continue to listen to your heart. If your heart tells you this initiation is good for you, then go get it. If your heart tells you, no matter no, who tells you, you, you better get this initiation. Uh, if your heart tells you otherwise, listen to your heart first. Okay? Because if, here again, Manjushri is telling you, if you happen to be one of those per, per people who were bandoozled, bamboozled, 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 <laughs> Bamboozled. <laughs> if you were, <laughs> yeah. So bamboozled. Okay. <laughs> if if you were uh, one of those people who were peer pressured into taking up a practice, and then you feel that well, I don't think this practice is for me. I don't think I'm at the level of should be doing this thing. What should I do now? Now in this practice, it says if I don't do this practice, I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> After, after you've taken this, uh, the, the vow. And here Manjushri says, forget at first about all those other supposedly so deep advices. And then he repeats himself again, set aside for the time being all those supposedly profound practices, secret teachings and so on. Because th the warning that you were given, if you don't have the proper... Uh, uh, foundation for it, even if you do it all your life, if you don't go to some sort of transformation of your real motivation to re renunciation to bodhicitta, it will only lead to some other worldly thing. Okay, so if your heart tells you, I'm going to focus on renunciation for now, I'm going to focus on bodhicitta for now, and then because of whatever, I don't think I can even read the practice anymore. Okay, and if that's what your heart really tells you, not just laziness. You know, sometimes laziness can can uh, sneak in and give us advice as though it's the, it's the Buddha speaking to us. So when it's really when you really feel that way, then and and the guilt is coming at you. Remember, oh, Manjushri said to Manjushri in that text to set aside before the time being all those supposedly profound practices. And what, what, what are these profound, supposedly profound practices? You know, the secret teachings and so on. Set them aside. And, it's a, and, and the path becomes once in a while, uh, uh, at, at, at its 
regular periods of time. Okay? If you're not going to be doing regular periods of time of thinking about it, that means go back and do the reading, at least. Okay? Regular periods of time to consider how harmful it is to concentrate on your own welfare. And at the same time, that is always follow it with how much good can come from concentrating on the welfare of others. To think of, to open your eyes. See, I love the term here, to open your eyes. Not make yourself, not brainwash yourself to think that the world is awful. But just open your eyes, see the world for what it is. Okay, if you see the world for what it is, then the natural uh, 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 reaction will follow. Okay, so you don't have to uh, uh, force yourself to agree to anyone what anyone says. Just open your eyes. Okay, and open your eyes to the world, and holding your mind on the wonders of freedom. So when you do renunciation, there, it must it must be two things. Focusing on, on the world, please. Focusing on the world, and then focusing on, on freedom. And when you're focusing on freedom, that's what I was trying to refer to uh, last week about gaining conviction. This, this thing called freedom, that I, am, uh, I have this urge for. Am I just fantasizing? Am I just uh, using it as a coping mechanism because I can't cope with what's, with what's you know, in front of me? Am I just creating it? Am I just wishing for it? Or is it just something that I can, that can actually be experienced, that can be realized? And then and examine uh, if you were to achieve it, what it would be like to achieve it. Okay? And uh, when you think about uh, bodhicitta, think about what happens. I mean, uh, look at the the econo economic crisis that we are going through or went through or still going to be going through. You can say that the, uh, the main uh, cause of it is greed. So this is what happens when you're focusing on just yourself. You create disaster. Not just for yourself, but you can even create global disaster. Okay. And I'm not sure if it's real or not. But uh, the, the recent oil spill in the Gulf, you could also say that was due to selfish interest. Rather than thinking about the impact of a decision on others, you just think about, oh, oh, am I going to be able to make a quick profit here? Okay. So thinking about just yourself doesn't help yourself eventually, and it doesn't, definitely doesn't help others. So when you just think about yourself, you end up harming everybody. But when you really just have a sincere, just develop a sincere aspiration to help others. It doesn't necessarily have to become an overwhelming, you know, glowing love where you're, where you're enveloping love, enveloping compassion. Just having that wish, having that intention, and little by little. And just that alone will, will, will benefit you and then it will uh, go out and benefit others also. Okay. So when you think of benefiting others, you end up benefiting everybody. When you think of benefiting only yourself, you end up benefiting no one. Okay. And you just keep your mind thinking on this. And it says to do it on a regular periods of time. So if you have some practice that is very difficult for you to do, Probably because you don't feel you're, you're well uh, grounded in these yet. So, if you can incorporate this while you're doing the other practices, that's, that's the best. But if you just can't do both, then at least we must do this one. Okay? Set aside some time, regular intervals, okay? every whatever you think about those two things. Okay? I'm not saying it when Jusha said it. He said it to Manjushri. And Manjushri said it to us. <laughs> okay. well, I like that. So the bottom, the bottom line is always follow your heart. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the teacher that becomes the outer teacher because somehow you can't get in touch with the inner teacher anymore. 
so that the outer teacher would teach you to become the inner teacher. <laughs> Is there a word for that? <laughs> <laughs> Three syllables. <laughs> That's always been the real teacher. But it's interesting because I've had this dilemma you know, mm-hmm. right along, you know, uh, on and off. And I, because I, I have a big component of laziness in my life, I can't really ever trust my initial gut because mm-hmm. it could come from fear and laziness. Yeah. No, we have to be careful about what's just an impulse due to habit and then what we might call uh, your heart speaking to you. There are two different things. Okay. Your heart speaking to you, you could say, go get that initiation, like I said before. And uh, your uh, compulsion could be, could tell you the same thing too, go get that initiation. The compulsion, just out of habit, oh, people will make fun of me if I don't take that initiation, no, everybody's taking it. For me, it was mm. always like, no, don't go there, because you're not worthwhile. Mm. You know, and, and it's like, mm. and so that wasn't your heart, that was, your heart dragged you. Yeah, right. <laughs> the opposite direction. Negative. Yeah. Lying there, seed. <laughs> and, and I think that's, that's a good. Uh, that could probably be a good measure of when it's your heart speaking to you, if it's criticizing you. I don't think your heart will ever criticize you. Mm. Okay. Uh, it's going to have to take a little bit to stop. Mm. I'm just going to go into what it may mean by mental review meditation. Well, that's for next time. <laughs> okay. So, you know, what is it for? She says, they sh- you should use the mental review meditation. Okay. At the very top. And, it's, and if you didn't know what the mental review meditation is, it's going to tell you what it is. It's the it's the very it's the most basic kind of meditation where you don't need to have any sense of uh, well some sense, but <laughs> you don't need to have like deep deep levels of focus, deep levels of of uh, absorption of the mind. Okay, you can do medita- review meditation anytime. And that's the kind of meditation that will help you develop those attitudes, which are very fundamental. Then it doesn't really. When, once you have those, those, those. Uh, what's the nice thing? Once you gain fluency <laughs> in these attitudes, then it doesn't matter what you do. You could drink. You, you could make drinking tea become the most powerful practice on the planet. We'll continue next time.
Okay, we'll take a little break for a little while. <laughs> and we come back after a little while. <laughs> <laughs> 